what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo, talking about the Warriors win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Big change in the lineup. Everyone after the last couple games was pining for a change. Everyone expected Kelly Oubre Jr. to get some time off the bench because he had spent a lot of his career coming off the bench before and he just didn't look comfortable next to Steph. But instead, they went with Kavon Looney replacing James Wiseman. And that worked out pretty good. I got to say, I didn't expect that. And everyone I read and listened to didn't seem to think that way, um, except for the dude from the San Jose Mercury, Wes Goldberg. Granted, this was against the worst team in the Western Conference. You better look good against the Timberwolves. But with Looney in the lineup, it looked like the Warriors just flowed better to start the game. It wasn't as clunky. And Steph got into more of a rhythm. I mean, it's clear that the Warriors are trying to find that balance between winning and prepping Wiseman and developing Wiseman. That's the fine line. Maybe if they had beaten the Knicks and didn't get blown out by the Jazz, maybe Wiseman doesn't lose a starting spot. Maybe they're like, okay, we can do both of these things, have him in the starting lineup and also win games and make the playoffs. But, you know, going back to 500, they realized that they had to make some kind of change and that was it. And it worked. And will it continue to work? Maybe. We shall see. And this also takes a little bit of pressure off of James Wiseman, you know, and it allows Draymond and Steph just to do their thing. I mean, they've gone to battle with Kevon Looney for years in the playoffs and big time games. So at least that mental aspect of the game is something that they're not going to be uncertain about. Whereas with Wiseman, it's all brand new. This was Andrew Wiggins' first game against his former team. And I was wondering beforehand if he, of the super low-key, laid-back attitude, if he had a little bit of a FU in him, kind of have one of those FU games. I know that in the past, he's played pretty hard and relatively well against the Cavs and LeBron James, largely because he was traded uh, back in 2014 when LeBron came back from Miami he was part of the Kevin Love trade. So there's a little bit of resentment, I guess, a little extra a little extra fuel to the fire there. But, you know, I wanted to see how he would play in this game. And he played pretty well. You know, he didn't try to do too much, but you could tell he was pushing. You know what I mean? He was going hard for offensive boards. He had a couple great putbacks and he was he was getting aggressive in spots, but he never seemed to play angry. You know what I mean? It's either laid back or smiling and having fun. But as long as he's uh, producing, I mean, that's cool. Steph, of course, had a great night. I don't mean to take him for granted, but um, that dude, I mean, he's the ultimate weapon. The Wolves were creeping a little bit closer in the fourth quarter, and then Steph just nails like a bunch of threes and puts them all away, and he's doing what peak prime Steph should be doing. The Wolves were playing without D'Angelo Russell, uh, I guess he had some kind of thigh injury, whereas the game before he missed out because of rest. Uh, they won that game, but tonight 
I was curious to see how they would look. I haven't watched the Timberwolves much this season, and I wanted to know if they were as bad as the record. And, you know, they got whooped tonight, but they got some young pieces. I think they're the youngest team in the NBA. So it's just a question of whether or not those young pieces will learn how to play good basketball. I know Minnesota fans kind of get on Saunders Flips kid for uh, for not really being a great coach and for being hired because of sentimentality. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if if you can teach them the game, then this team might not be so bad in, in a couple of years. I don't know if this team is better with or without D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I would assume that maybe they're a little bit better. I mean, he just slows them down so much and he's so ball dominant that when you have someone like Ricky Rubio who passes the ball and moves the ball and gets the offense going, I figured that's a better approach, especially with a bunch of young wings like the Wolves have. But, you know, we'll see. They wanted Cat's friend to keep Cat happy, so they traded for him. And they haven't seen Cat play with D'Lo. I think it's only been five games this season because of injuries and, and COVID. So they might have something there, but who knows? That being said, I do hope that the Warriors end up with the Wolves pick this coming draft, because if they don't, that means the Wolves end up with a top three pick, and that means that they get potentially a really good young player who might contribute in the 2021-2022 season, which means the 2022 pick that the Warriors would get instead would potentially be further down the lottery. I mean, if the Wolves get Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, or Jalen Green, I mean, (laughs) they might improve. They might actually improve, and that 2022 pick might not be as good or as valuable. One thing that I get concerned about with the Warriors is rebounding. It seems like without Marquise Chris, they're a little undersized at the center position, and Pascal, you know, he's shorter Looney, he's 6'9", and can't really jump that high. I mean, those guys work hard and put in a lot of effort, and Looney has a lot of experience, and he's crafty. But, you know, and even Wiseman, I mean, the dude is 7'7", but his rebound numbers aren't that great. That's where you miss Marquise Chris, and I hope that that dude is able to come back this season. Speaking of Pascal, it seems like maybe the Wolves scouted him a little bit uh, because every time he drove to the basket, the Minnesota bigs wouldn't go for like his fakes. You know, they knew to stay down and to wait for him to pump fake and then rise up. So he got blocked a couple times. I do wonder down the road if other teams will pick up on that as well and how Pascal will adjust. Just something to keep an eye on. This was my first look at Anthony Edwards in a full game and He's raw. He is very raw, but he is quick. I mean, he's he's big, he's strong, and he's one of those guys that once he gets past the first dude, those second and third help defenders, man, they better look out because uh, that guy could take off from pretty far away and throw it down pretty hard. He did that once on, on Wiseman when no one covered him at the three-point line. But again, just like all the other young dudes in Minnesota, like, Is that a good environment for Anthony Edwards? Is he going to be his best basketball self out there? Is he going to learn how to play winning basketball? I mean, that's the question that the franchise has to answer. I mean, I guess in the past they have answered it and it's not the best environment. 
but uh, will they change? Will Glenn Taylor sell the team? And then will they change? Who knows? It was good to see Clay in the house. I mean, sometimes I like to rewind the game after a, a decent play in front of the Warriors bench and watch the players' reactions. And it was cool to see Clay being into it, you know, getting up, whatever, celebrating shots and effort and all that jazz. And it's good to see him on his feet. You know what I mean? I have no idea where he's at in his rehab process, but, you know, it's it's good to see him around the the squad. Warriors fans love Clay, so we all want to make sure that he's he's okay out there. We have a second game against Minnesota. I'm guessing D'Angelo Russell will play, and I'm very curious to see that. <laughs> I really, really just, you know, he seems like a good dude off the court, but I just did not enjoy watching that guy play basketball for the Warriors last year. It's such a strange game he plays, kind of like just dribbling around, kind of head faking, slowly poking and prodding while everyone else stands around, you know, like going for like a a three, like a high arcing three, or kind of slowly like dribbling in and then pump faking, you know, using weird angles to to get off like a slow mid-range shot. He puts up numbers, but does it really affect the team's winning? Does it really help his teams win? So we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. We'll see what kind of adjustments these teams make, but they're back at it again Wednesday night. I'm hoping to see a little bit more consistency from this group to see if that offense is still flowing, if the energy is still there, and if Wiseman gets a little bit more comfortable coming off the bench. We'll see how that goes. I mean, he's a young dude. I'm sure he's probably taking it in stride. I'm sure they explained to him why they were doing this and that um, he's level-headed about it. You know what I mean? So that should be hopefully a fun one. Anyway, that's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And check me out on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors and check us out at oaklandwarriors.com. Don't forget to share this podcast with your fellow warrior fan friends. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs. Go Dubs.